0: Using a mist of synthetic sweat, the corrosion test exposes strings to elements mimicking a human finger. Over time, excess remains strong, while other strings
1: corrode and become damaged. Testing complete.
2: This is Chris Keyes for from your guitar. You know this guy. This is Pete Thorne. Hey,
0: I'm Pete Thorne. How's it going? <laughs>
2: ha. We have the riff. We are actually in the tone zone of Pete's setup. You guys probably are familiar with this. You probably watched his videos a bunch. This is exactly what it looks like. Exactly how you envisioned it. Now we're going to talk about all the stuff that you have and that you always be playing for
0: your videos, Pete. What should we start with here is your signature, right? This is my signature guitar. Yeah, that uh, we just brought out uh, with. Uh, so this is my second signature model. And uh, the nice folks at Sur Guitars have done a wonderful job on it. So I've been working on this uh, for a couple of years with them. So it's just uh, kind of the, uh, the natural sort of place to go. I've got a previous uh, signature model that's a two humbucker model mm. that's basically like... Everything about that guitar, uh, wood-wise, and everything is kind of like our favorite guitar from Kalamazoo mm. uh, style guitar, but in a twenty-five point five scale. So with this one, I thought, let's go with a little bit more of our favorite guitar from Fullerton vibes, but <laughs> all the imperfections, all you know, worked yeah. out, and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah so um, so this one is a little bit more of that true S style guitar with like, uh, it, it still got a humbucker in the bridge here. But I went with a single coil in the neck this time, the home single-single setup. And it's a little more of the typical Woods uh, compared to my previous signature model for an S-style guitar. So in other words, alder body, you know, maple neck, that kind of stuff. Yep. Whereas the other one's mahogany and stuff. So, yeah. Uh,
2: and yeah. are these John's pickups? John's, like, uh, sewer pickups?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, a V60, uh, sorry, V63. In in the uh, the neck, I used to use a pickup from him, another great model called the V60LP, okay. but I've been using these V63s and they're just killers. So the two singles are V63s. Um, and then this is a brand new pickup called the Thornbucker 2 that we developed. Oh. Yeah, so a, a little while back, we did this crazy thing where we put together, I, I think it was like 24 different pickups, and tried to kind of like go for the Eddie Van Halen early days. Uh, you know, the, the, the whatever formula he was using and we went on this whole tone journey of trying <laughs> to, you know, try all these different pickups yeah. and see what got us, you know, and, and of course when you, what got us closest to, to that thing and of course when you do that, you learn a lot in the process outside of, you know, the Van Halen sound yeah. or anything like that and what I learned was I'm starting to really like, especially kind of like with gain, like you were just hearing me play, mm-hmm. I'm starting to really like Alnico 2 magnets. so this pickup is, is my first Alnico 2 uh, model uh, and it's also the first, I do believe, Alnico 2 model that Sir has done.
2: What do you find pleasing to your ear and through that so, journey
0: that gets you to that happy place? It's just when I go up here, it's a little bit more of a singing thing and a little rounder on the top end, and it's got a spongy, kind of slightly softer thing on the bottom end than, uh, say, if you go Alnico 5. It's a little sharper a little more treble attack and okay. stuff and i used to really you know I, I still like pickups like that sometimes and there's so many other things that go into pickup uh, design right. besides magnets yeah but i did here across the board kind of when you go from a five to a four to a two you know you're getting progressively this is a, a blanket statement once again but you're getting to me a little bit rounder and a little bit sweeter in the top end with each Okay. You know, as you go towards the Alenco two. Yeah. so I just really liked it, and um, and uh, but but uh, we also did a slightly hotter wind than my previous signature pickups, so we went up to 9K. So okay. it's still on the it's on the hot end of a PAF, but it's not a hot pickup really. Yeah.
2: Think, you know? And you were a big PAF fan, like yeah. you, like Pete. If you don't know, is a longtime contributor was a longtime contributor for the Tone Tip section of the magazine. I know you did like a uh, decoding the PAF article
0: that's still one of our most popular.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, you, ce- you celebrate the PAF flag, and I know now it's all in vogue, but yeah, you've been there for a long
0: time. Yeah, I love them, man. I mean, because, you know, I think the the thing about the PAF, the original thing was they weren't really going for like a hot, loud pickup. They they were kind of happy with P90s, I think, or whatever was in their guitars at the time. Yeah. They just wanted hum, hum canceling. Yeah. So, you know, they're not really that much. Like when you hear PAFs, the best ones to me from back in the day, it's, and it seems like what, you know, folks that are really like aficionados of that tone go for is an almost sort of single coil-like vibe. Uh, maybe with a bit more heat, but like, you know, in the middle position, the whole Jimmy Page thing. Like yeah. some twang and like a big overgrown Tele. Yeah. So I love that sound. Yeah.
2: What should we know? Uh, is there anything special to the switching that you have here? Or is yeah, it just actually. a standard five-way with the HHS, HSS setup? There is. Okay.
0: Um, so with the switching, uh, you've got basically like a split position here in the I guess what people call position two I was mm. used I'm old enough we used to call this position four but <laughs> but people call it two now so I'm gonna call it two all right so yeah full you know series humbucking in the bridge and then here these two will split but if I'm in the bridge and I pull this now this is in parallel oh and a, and a humbucker in parallel with gain right now you won't notice that much loss of of volume <laughs> but it gets thinner and a little spankier now if I go over to the clean channel on the amp here you can really hear what it's doing yeah and then it's almost like a single It almost balances like it and it's hum cancelling in that in that position as well so the long story short the parallel thing bridge humbucker and parallel it's become a big like asset yeah. to different things that i do i just did a tour with the band fight for fighting and i used that sound a lot huh that stringy kind of like almost single coil yeah it almost um, gives it like an acoustic quality like a plugged in acoustic it does kind of sound sort of like a yeah yeah exactly yeah. And you compress it a little bit and maybe add like a little bit of you know so you pump it up a little bit and stuff but go for <laughs> So I really like that sound I found that really useful in the kind of Americana uh, sort of sound that Five for Fighting that band has. So it it came in really handy so I'm glad I have it. So that's the switching, um, the kind of unique thing. The other unique thing I should mention on this guitar. Is maybe the neck shape and the bridge if you're interested okay in that. yeah but absolutely this, this is time to geek out okay cool well, this bridge is fantastic this is designed by trev wilkinson and it's sort of born out of conversations i think that trev had with john sir over years and and trev's also just makes wonderful stuff so it's got um little allen screws that actually lock on oh, top wow. of the strings into the bridge so it's essentially it's a locking bridge like a floyd rose yeah. but with a traditional block traditional string through the back design um, so, it just is, long story short, if you got a good nut on your guitar and locking tuners...
2: You can work it out. <laughs> it stays in tune
1: yeah, real
0: well. it's got a really, really good, uh, you know, tuning stability. So so that's really great, and I love that because I hate being out of tune. Yeah. So, like, the number one thing is it's like, if people are like, What's your favorite pedal that you can't do without? I'm like, The tuner. (laughs) If I don't have a tuner, you can have the best amp or the best guitar, the best pedals, and everything sounds terrible. Yeah. If you're out of tune. So, yeah. So, anyways, um, so that's really cool. And then the neck on this guitar was digitized off of a Sur that I got around 2008 or 2009. Um, It was a guitar that was kind of hanging around the shop, a three single coil classic S strat type, you know and um, a dealer hadn't taken it, because there was one small mistake they made when they built it on the order. So it was this beautiful green, I don't actually have it here right now, but this beautiful green Classic S, and it just has this great neck that's not dissimilar to a guitar I'll show you in a bit, which is my old Strat. It's over there in the corner, my old 60s Strat. So it's a little bit of a soft V in the back, and then it just becomes a full C right here. And we digitized the neck off that Sur, uh-huh. which is a very unique... I've never felt another one quite like it. And John said, I think I hand shaped this probably back in the day. Like oh, wow. He used to go out in the shop on weekends. and Sometimes he'd pick up necks and yeah. sand them and stuff. And uh, he said, I think I shaped this one. And it's just a great neck. So it's it's kind of a very... I mean, if you're into 60s strats and stuff, and it kind of... You know the vintage thing but with a modern radius and big frets and all that i think it's it's just a beautiful mac
2: it's kind so. of best of both worlds in yeah. terms of old and meets new totally
0: i gotta ask what
2: was the mistake
0: uh it got built with a uh, s- uh top jack and they wanted a jack like this on it a side jack actually i feel like that's a
2: you know uh you can let that go under the rug in terms of you acquiring the instrument and yeah. making it your own
0: I mean it was a—it was such a not a big deal to me yeah. and it, it's got a beautiful I and mean, it's got a Brazilian Rosewood fingerboard back when there was more of that going on when yeah. it was built and stuff and it's just a gorgeous guitar so um, so yeah.
2: Maybe before we move on I, I see strings and as you can imagine in Pete's little uh, tone den here uh, there's gear everywhere. But what, <laughs> are you, what are you using for strings specifically?
0: So Primo Slinkies. Okay so uh, yeah, that's what you're using. Yeah I went to Primo's which is a 9.5 to 44. Uh, kind of a newish thing for Ernie ball I, th- I believe uh, Dario were maybe the first folks that did that and then Ernie ball came out with a ni- uh, the, the in-between gauges yeah you know, the and uh, when Ernie ball did it I, I moved over right away it was funny I was like using tens for years and I'm like getting older and stuff and maybe I'm just like getting lazy <laughs> but the the tens especially in uh, Japan it was really hot and humid and I was playing uh, on this uh, uh, Teyoshi Nagabuchi uh, big star over there that I I go over there and tour with sometimes and uh, it's at like an aggressive rock gig. You're running around a lot and you're sweating and stuff and you know I was and a lot of solos and stuff and I just felt like the strings were fighting me on some of the stuff I was playing and I I said to my tech one day I said am I crazy like why do these strings feel like 11s like they feel so heavy and he's like no like there's something like and it was so humid that summer. So then I read the story about Paul Gilbert that said something similar in an interview that huh. when it when it when it was really hot and humid he felt like the strings were heavy and i was like wow maybe it's like just a i don't know some, something so you uh, should come gigging up for a summer in nashville yeah, <laughs> yeah it's non exactly. nonstop humid <laughs> i bet you guys don't worry about stuff like this in nashville because you're like real men guitar players out there with your like <laughs> like you i don't know i'm so scared of that place man the musicians in nashville where else can you go out and see like uh you know, like any time of the week, you can go out and see somebody at two in the afternoon playing on Broadway, just brilliantly. You know, like, like Bollinger.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like
0: it's just the city. Scene, they're everywhere. These guitar players in the So, but I love that city. It's fun.
2: But you get the yeah. Primos, and and you enjoy. You yeah. feel like the, so. Like nines would be too much of a drop, and well, the nine and a halfs are. So, you Sweet know, spot.
0: actually I kind of dig nines too these days. It depends on, uh, maybe you saw the Rick Beato video he did on uh, string yeah. gauge. Yep. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, where he demonstrated, no, that was a Les Paul into a Marshall where he showed different string gauges from I think maybe eights all the way to 11s or 12s or I something. believe so, yeah. And which ones actually sound best. Now, with that one particular tone, the Marshall kind of dirty, JCM 800 I think it was, with a Les Paul, everybody kind of settled on the nines. And, and it's an interesting thing when you think about Eddie van Halen uh, with with an old uh, an old Marshall you know and they're not the tightest amps when you crank them way up a, l- a lighter string gauge like a slightly thinner c- can p- it's all a formula it's all a balance yeah you know so it really depends on what you're doing I think if you're playing jazz or if you're you know you're josh Smith or if you're you know you're using less gain you want a really big meaty guitar sound out of the guitar maybe you're using single coils. see there's another balance yeah. where it's like it's all this balancing act. So it depends on what I'm doing. Like, I feel like on a kind of 80s shred machine with high gain and a marshally tone that could maybe use a little bit of tightening up, I don't mind nines at all, actually, because it's easier for me to play. Mm. Um, and, y- yeah, you notice, I mean, like, a lot of people talk about even in metal and stuff, about using tube screamers to lop the low end off the signal so that it tightens up the amp while adding a bit of boost in the front end. Well, you can lop a little bit of low end off the signal in a number of different ways, and one of them is, like, lighter strings. I yeah. Think. So... You know so the, it's all a balance and I, I don't mind nines at all for my uh personally i could get used to them and i, I may go to nines at one at some point because that's what i used to use anyways you think you ever go down to eight like the rev billy g <sighs> eights feel a little too much okay but uh, there's this one string gauge which is the eddie van halen string gauge i have it on right over there on it there's a frankenstein guitar you can show on some b-roll after but it's a uh you know one of the EVH frankensteins that guitar has the 9 to 40 gauge with a 15-gauge G. Ooh. So it's basically nines, but you've got a 40 for the low E and a 15 for the G. That was the old Eddie Van Halen, uh, I think it was called the XL150 gauge that he used. And you know he tuned down a half step, and sometimes he was playing with a drop, you know, yeah, for Unchained pop. and stuff, right? yeah. the drop low string. And he somehow managed to make it in tune, and so um, I put him on that guitar, and for that style and everything, it, it kind of works. So I don't know, there's no rules, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, so whatever. whatever works for the sound you're going for and the style you're playing in
2: yeah well should we move on to uh another one of your
0: yeah treasure troves some some different guitars yeah so this one this is a relatively new acquisition um you know i've been talking already about van halen a bunch in this because he's my spiritual guitar godfather i always say so (laughs) i'm a van halen nut and this guitar uh was something that i had to have once i realized like just how much of those first couple albums were done on basically yeah. this guitar, it's a, uh, a '76 Ibanez Destroyer. Uh, with this, you know, Ed had one, and it became the Shark guitar that he cut up. And so, know, when are you gonna for, do that? I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he stopped using it. Evidently, after he did that, he said it didn't sound good anymore. I guess. But it's a, so. This is made by Ibanez. And it's a kind of a lawsuit guitar. I, mean, I don't think they can make them after a couple of years because you know Gibson probably went after them. Yeah. But it's made out of, although it looks a lot like a a Carina uh explorer from the late 50s it's actually made out of uh i believe japanese ash which they call sen and you can see it's actually a sandwich body oh yeah so they sandwich two pieces together and so who knows how many pieces of wood it's actually it's probably six pieces of wood or something the body uh but uh it just sounds unbelievable and it's got a neck like you know so when i got this guitar i got it from a guy in in huntington beach and he had it advertised for, uh, you know, not like a crazy cheap price, but a pretty reasonable price. Okay. Went down and met him in a parking lot. And as I'm driving down there, you know, from L.A., I thought, this guitar is probably going to suck. It's probably going to be, you know, like like not a great neck or something. You know, it's going to yeah. be trash or just be heavy. Or, And he opened the case, and I was just like, oh, man. I was like, that's great. And then I picked it up, and the neck is ferocious on it. So he told me that he'd had it about 20 years, and he got it from the fella that uh, started TV Jones pickups. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: So it's got TV Jones uh, humbuckers in it. Usually TV Jones, you see their Filtertron-style pickups, but he does make a couple sets, you know, a couple models, I guess, a a more PAF kind of thing. So that's what's in here. And these sound... Whatever's going on, they sound fantastic in this guitar. I hit him up on, uh, on Instagram and I said, hey, do you remember, like, by any chance, would you have had this guitar, like, all these years ago? And he writes me back, basically, in all caps, like, if you ever sell that guitar, you have to sell it back to me. He's like, I can't believe you have that guitar. Wow. And I was like, I love it, dude. It's great. So, you know, if, if you're out there, my friend, maybe you, you, we can share or something, you know, come over <laughs> on weekends or something. I'm all about the love, so.
2: Hey, yeah. can we, with all that, you know, preface and that story, can we hear it?
0: Yeah, it needs a little truss rod adjustment right now, but I can plug it in here and let's see what, uh, let's, let's tune up. So here's something that uh, is important. I've always got a tuner active on the floor. All right. So I've got my, my polytune uh, down there ready to go. As you can probably hear, the strings are dead as doornails. Yeah. So one of the thing around uh, around here is there's, there's a lot of guitars and I don't get to changing strings enough. Uh, does anybody like changing strings? I don't think so. I'm not really into it. Now, I think maybe techs do because they get paid yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> Exactly, right? right like Dallas Shu, he keeps his bu- days busy taking all care of all those u two guitars. Yeah. You
1: know.
0: I'm still learning how to use my own pedal board, but anyway, you get the idea, the guitar is cool. Like all that, you know, all that, this is like, this does that thing and it's got this great chunky low end. Yeah. And um, so it's cool even in its dead string, uh, needs a truss rod adjustment state, it still kicks ass. Before
2: get... you had mentioned that you got it in the parking lot, I was going to ask, because I know that professionally, you spend a lot of time over in Japan. And like I was curious yeah. if you got it over there, because me and Perry went over there. And they have a lot of those copies floating around, like Edwards, yeah. Bernie's. Yeah. So I didn't know if that's where you got it. But yeah, you got it in the parking lot.
0: I got it in the parking <laughs> lot. I know what you. Mean. There's a guitar store there. If you dig Japanese uh, Tokai's and Bernie's and yeah, all these Tokai's. great. Yeah, there's a store in Shinjuku, and I don't know what it's called called but it's right above the store hyper guitars which is also an amazing it's a vintage store that will blow your mind you'll go in and it'll be a, a case full of 50s gold tops and a case full of sixties three 335. Yeah. and it's just like unbelievable store upstairs from hyper guitars if you ever go to tokyo there's a store that is four floors of mostly old japanese guitars Dang. and pedals and everything and it's just yeah. like it's mind-blowing so yeah <laughs> i love that stuff i mean i can just go burn days right looking at that stuff
2: yeah, yeah. Well, should we keep the guitar parade moving?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So I'll mute here. Let's pick another one. I'm gonna uh, actually, you know, the the next one I should show you is my uh, previous signature model. Yeah. Because this has been my main, you know, main squeeze. People say, "What's the one guitar?" You know, Desert Island. Uh, that you would, you know, use for your rest of your career. And it's, it's these, you know, either that, I, I don't know if I could pick between this or the new one, but yeah. this guitar is the, these are the ones that I take on gigs where I can only have one guitar. Cause yeah. there's so many, once again, with the switching and all the different tones that I can get out of these instruments. So this one is way more, uh, like I say, our typical woods from our favorite guitars from Kalamazoo with yep. a mahogany body, mahogany neck actually, which is unique in a guitar like this, you know? And uh, you know, for a, an S-style, you know, double cutaway guitar, and the rosewood fingerboard and whatnot, and it's just a killer. You know, it's a si- it's a similar guitar in many ways to the other one, and different in Got some it. ways. Got it. Is there a maple cap on and that? that? Cause yeah. I so. Okay. Just making is. sure. Yeah. So they do the scrape binding. Okay. With the maple cap, and then I love the black back. And we did different colors on some of them for the backs. So a couple. Some of them have black. Some one has red. The black top one has red on the back, and cool. it looks so like. Just kind of, I like them to look kind of uh, like understated, but rock and roll. Because I always say that my, um, my role has been for many years a sideman. I've made most of my living touring as a sideman, even before doing YouTube and all that. Yeah. And so uh, one minute I would have to fit in with Melissa Etheridge, the next Chris Cornell, the next Don Henley, you yeah. know, different folks that I've played with. And it's like, if you're a John Petrucci or Steve Vai, You know, you're an artist, you're a, uh, uh, you're a brand in your own, or whatever, I hate that word, but you know, you're a, and you can live in that, uh, you know, Steve's got crazy guitars with like the the monkey grips and crazy inlays and all this, and in my job, I, you know, God bless it, because I I would, that's everybody's dream to be a a stylist and be respected for, you know, they've achieved the pinnacle, Yeah. but if you're a sideman, you're many times not able to walk in with a guitar that's so unique. And so, that, you know, they'll look at you and go, can't you play a telly on this, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always bridging that gap with, of trying to, you know, have a guitar that's unique. And you, you can look at it and go, oh, it's Pete's, it's his model. But it, it'll fit in in a lot of situations, mm. too. So, you know, that's, the, yeah. that's my thing. Yeah. So this one, uh, this is a 63. ES335 that I got around 2000 or 2001 or two. So I've had it 20 years. Okay. Um, this guitar, I remember going into a shop uh, in Hollywood, great shop uh, called Vintage Gear that used to sell a lot of funky stuff and pedals and they sold a lot of Supros and airlines and everything almost before the white stripes were cool yeah. and came out and they had a lot of like kind of funky off brand gear and yeah. stuff. But it was a real cool store. And this came in. And uh, I remember uh, a great guitar player named, named David Kalish. That's just a brilliant uh, uh, LA guitar player, and he was playing an old Strat uh, when I walked in the store, and everybody was just kind of hanging around. A lot of the they had a lot of regulars that would come in the yeah. store, and he's playing brilliant stuff on the Strat, and it sounded great. And then he grabbed this guitar. And what's this? We just got this 335, you know. And he gets it and plugs it in, and he hit one note, and he goes. Oh, and then everybody forgot about the strat. <laughs> That's what he said. I always remember, and I was like, oh, that guitar's special. So, this is it. Um, it. It had a really bad headstock break and a repair, and it has since broken again since I've had it. Wow. So, a guy did a great repair on it where he's inlaid maple dowels on the back uh, and kind of fixed it up. It's not an invisible repair, you can definitely see the crack, but he salvaged the neck. So, that was great and it's had you know Grover tuners put on it evidently I've never looked but underneath the bridge pickup uh, there's somebody went at it with a chisel so (laughs) they took a bunch of wood out trying to maybe get at the electronics or something because who knows? Maybe they're trying to rewire it yeah Um, so it's a player guitar you know it's not at all original but it was a great price because of that I mean less than what a new one would cost now for sure like way less so um, it's got an original PAF in the neck and a 60s patent number early patent number in the bridge and the real low wind um, pickups so i mean it's like 7.6 k or something in the bridge so a real low wind. i'll just get it tuned up here and so because of that it definitely has that stringy that that thing we were talking about earlier where um you know it's almost like an overgrown single coil
2: Mm. now what do you gravitate For this guitar like where do you where do you grab
0: like for why do you grab it or i'm sorry
2: why do you grab it like why would you play this one in the context of all the sorts of things you do
0: so even though like these songs weren't played necessarily on a guitar like this you know you know like riffs like that or uh That's where this thing lives. You know, I went from the middle there for the, the Jimmy Page Riff to the bridge for the Angus Young stuff. And you can hear, this is the thing we were talking about earlier with PAFs. Because this is an early patent number. This is a PAF. So but basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a real low wind. Uh, so there's like a ton of twang to them. You know, there's a You know, and they're almost like single coil output. Really, it's like a like you know mid seven k kind of yeah. output on these. So that's what I picked this thing up for is all that twang. But it's it's not a. Uh, I mean, it's almost what we think of in uh, some respects. I guess as almost Gretschy you know, hmm. that little bit of that twang, yeah. and, you know, like, I, I think of the early PAFs and Filtertrons, too, there was even a little bit of crossover as far as the, like, you know, Where so. they sat. Yeah, but anyway, that's what I'll pick this up for, and it also just looks badass on yeah. stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've only taken it on tour once, I took it out with Melissa Etheridge, and uh, I took it to a rehearsal, and I played it, one song on it, she's like, you have to take that guitar on tour. She's like, that is the cool, like, she loved the sound and the look and everything, so I'm like, okay, I want to take it on tour, but I will never I swear did. you. Uh, well, you know, a little bit, but then it's like, you got to take them out and it's not about getting it ripped off or anything like that. It's more about like a break. i worried yeah. about, you know, because then it's gone. It's like, you know, if, uh, I guess it'd be gone too if somebody took it, but um, <laughs> you know, that could happen anywhere, I guess. So, but it, it just, uh, they're meant to be played. And it's a player at the end of the day. It's had the headstock repair and everything. So I just, I like taking them out you know, at this point. You only live once. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: should we, uh, let's hear a couple more of these guitar stories. Yeah, sure. Um,
0: so this guitar, um, I'm showing you guys, because this was my main axe when I used to uh, tour with Chris Cornell. I, I used this on, you know, all the... All that, you can hear it's got a real deep kind of cool overdrive, it's got a meaty kind of thing. And it's, yeah. a, it's a Les Paul Custom, just a run-of-the-mill, I think 2000 uh, Les Paul Custom, it's quite heavy, it's probably 10, 10 and a half pounds. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it, I've been through a lot of miles with this guitar. This guitar I used to, with Chris, I used to hold out and sometimes he would, I saw this movie uh, that had Buck Dharma, uh, it, well it was a Bluester called in Black Sabbath movie, called Black and Blue, if you ever catch oh. it. And it, it's Ronnie James Dio era Sabbath. And Blue Öyster Cult, and it, it was a movie on in a theater in my hometown, and me and my sister went to it. I remember, and this great concert movie. Uh, and at the end of the Blue Öyster Cult set, uh, Buck Dharma ripped all the strings off his guitar, and I always remember him pulling the first, second, just, just ripping the strings, and then he on the low string that was all he had left i thought that looks amazing that's so cool <laughs> so i used to do that like in the set with chris i oh. totally stole it from you buck dharma if you're watching this but <laughs> anyway i ripped the strings off and stuff and chris would grab his mic and shove it into the pickup and stuff and so this guitar got a lot of that abuse um and uh so you know we did that probably like 60 or 80 times at different gigs on tour one day, I'm rehearsing with it uh, in kind of the last year that we were touring at a band. It's sitting mm. on, a, on a stand, and I backed into it. It was a, you know at a rehearsal studio. It was a carpet floor and kind of soft, and I saw the guitar kind of teeter, and then it just sort of very slowly went over, and so I watched awesome. the headstock just... <laughs> So all the stuff that you and Chris did
2: to it, and then it survived, and then you have a clumsy fall, boom.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just tapped it, and it went over, and it was very kind of anticlimactic, the way that it is. (laughs) So it's got a headstock repair as well, this one. But these are the things that happen to your, you know, your road (laughs) guitars. play all that stuff it's just got it's a it's a meaty sounding les paul yeah yeah so do
2: do you have you changed anything to like the pickups or anything or stock as you got it
0: oh yeah this guitar when i got it actually the gibsons of the era uh that were customs they had gold hardware so it was like kind of like i thought a little gaudy looking like it had the gold pickups and the gold bridge and everything but the white binding and i was like "Uh, i don't know you know i was used to seeing customs from the 60s and the early 70s that i'd have the kind of yellowed binding Mm -hmm. and the gold had kind of faded and it almost looked chrome you know and it was like i want it to look a little more so so they said hey no problem we'll put chrome on it so they did that and the pickups i probably had seven sets of Pickups in and out of this guitar um but it's got thornbuckers okay it now, my signature pickups yeah so and the pots uh they've all been switched to um i think a lot of gibsons back then they had many times the 300k pots you know so they weren't that open they'd sound they yeah. like sounded muted and um so i got i, I think these came from uh, a company called rs guitar works that used to sell these you know pre-wired kits oh you yeah buy it for your les paul and so the whole electronics have been gutted in this. So uh, what p- yeah.
2: pots do you prefer then, like, not brand-wise, but like K uh, in
0: terms of value? Oh, uh, in, a, in a humbucker guitar, 500. Yeah. Yeah, I got. I mean, and a true 500 is nice, you know, because it, it's just less muted. I mean, I, I know there's a, you know, a certain uh, thing to a little bit more, whatever it is, resistance or capacitance or whatever you want to call it, if, if, if there's a bit of a drop-off in the top. In, in some guitars, it might work. In a bright guitar, go for a 300k pot. But yeah i tend to think i want them open and, and uh airy sounding okay. you know and then if i want to back down the treble i can always roll the tone down on the guitar or do it at the amp you yeah know? i don't like the idea of the pot being super lossy
1: mm. you know like
0: mm. like you know i like i like i like the idea i mean I, for a long time i played guitars in the 80s that just have one volume control no tone eddie once again we come back to eddie you know he, he was like a one volume control guy he never liked having a tone control and probably i bet it was because he probably noticed a difference in the sound when it, even when it's on 10 and it's in the circuit because it's still drawing
2: something That's it's right. affecting it totally kind of yeah. like what you said before about the strings and everything there's a lot more to the
0: equation everything affects everything yeah it's a balance all this stuff to
2: me
1: yeah
0: cool uh what's yeah. another friend we should meet okay so now this one uh i guess i guess this can be the last one we we do um this is a really special guitar to me uh i was on tour uh with chris cornell in um, nashville a nashville tour stop where you guys are from right. and yeah and i uh, went in Groons and they had uh this guitar and uh, you know i it had been a good year at that point i've been making some money and it was like i was like i really want to buy a guitar today you know yeah and i always wanted an old strat and i'd had a 66 that i had on tour Kind of wanted a pre-cbs guitar you know that was like I, I was like now's maybe my chance to get one. yeah you know? and they had a number of pre-cbs strats in there now there was a 60 and a 63 and a 61 and you know all these and they were quite expensive this is a 64. and it had been refretted so a couple things that made it it's also a little beat and yeah there's a few things that that made it more affordable than those other guitars and I remember going there with Yogi Lanich, the other guitar player in Cornell's band, and just plugging in guitars and trying them all out. And this one sounded every bit as good as the the six the, the earliest '60s ones. This is a November '64, so solidly pre CBS yeah. with an nail plate and all that. But um, but uh, you know, just right on the cusp of almost being a '65. And I just it just. I got it. I got the guitar at a special time in my life when I feel like I was, you know, living the rock dreams or whatever yeah. and having a great time and I was able to get it. I remember that gig that night that Peter Frampton sat in. That was oh, the first wow. time I met him and it, we've had a long friendship after that. But he's a wonderful guy. But anyway, so many so many great things I remember about the day, di- you know. It's these times in your life where you're going to have bad days. This isn't going to be one of them. This yeah. is a good day. That was the day when I got this guitar. So <laughs> it's it's great memories, you know. And <laughs> Just has that thing, you know. It's just a really beautiful sounding old strat. It just has a beautiful, uh, really beautiful, and and the bridge stays in tune. Great. It's you know, it's a, I've got it set way far forward, like after yeah. the Jeff Beck thing. You know, so I can really, I can really use it and utilize it, and it just sounds really good. It's just a nice does what I want it to do for for this kind of guitar
2: I can tell you really enjoy playing it too
0: yeah like (laughs) I do I can sit and just write stuff like like on this guitar just get into it you know like some kind of groove you know Some reverb or something like that, put on some compression, and then come up with a vibe and this is a great guitar to just sit around and play all day like that <laughs> so it's funny. it's
2: funny because it's like we've done this for a long long time and we've heard a lot of a lot of guitars' seen a lot of guitars and my I think my favorite part about this gig is not being able to see like all oh, this is a sixty four Strat and hold it is it more like here and you have such a connection to an instrument that takes you to a place in time mm. that is so positive and it's like it's like you know when you hear a song and then you, you think of a smell or a certain like memory that you had like on a first date or something it's just oh, yeah. it's just like it's it's a, it's a very positive time capsule and that's like kind sure. of like the reinvigoration of what we get to do here both you as a player and a musician and myself is that yeah. trying to bring out these stories of the instruments yeah
0: i mean they take on a life of their own you know it's like it's they're they're pieces of art that you can actually use like yeah. uh, you know to you know it's like because there's so much I, I can remember being a kid just like Getting my first guitar, which was a Strat copy, Uh plywood and everything, was a Hondo, you know. But uh, it was was like magic to me, you know. I'd sit there and just look at it, like this, all the angles and stuff. Yeah, God, like it's so beautiful, you know. And I'm like ten years old, just going like, "Uh, something about guitars," you know. And so to, yeah, we're just like, I'm I'm just like a big kid that's still just doing the same thing as I was then. Well, I'm gonna be a big
2: kid and break the rules. I'm gonna ask for one more guitar, one more. I think I think there's one more story that should be told.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's do it okay so last but certainly not least is of course the evh frankenstein i got one of these a while ago because how can you not it's just like when i look at this guitar in here it makes me happy yeah like when you walk in just turn the lights on in the room you're like
1: ah
2: <laughs> my yeah, old friend my what? old. totally you know <laughs> it's
0: just that vibe and um it's it's such a fun guitar to just have a around and I'm a, I'm a van halen nut so it's like you know you, I, I don't know it's just a blast yeah. to have, have this around so uh the amp that I'm actually playing through right now too is a is a basically Eddie i's, uh amp. It's a it's a, a 68 so 68 Plexi, and it's on 10 with a variac thing and everything. So that it's is. got the ooh, it's loud.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How
0: can you not have fun, you know, with a guitar like this? It's just, one it's thing like, to play
2: those riffs and be as accurate as you are when you're doing <laughs> it, but to have, like, the whole motif of everything, like, it, you look the part.
0: <laughs> I love it. I mean, how can you not, you know? It's just like, he's, he was such a genius, you know, just brilliant. And having one of these around to just kind of, you know, blaze
1: it.
0: <laughs> just, it's just fun. Fun to shred on uh yeah i love it so hey the, the evh gear guys i mean to come up with a guitar like this that's still pretty affordable for having the paint pattern and everything yeah know, and just making all of us uh happy yeah right you know it's, it's a fun guitar and i i've seen paul gilbert with one he's a diehard ivan guy you know i've seen yeah. um, uh, andy wood's got one he's a diehard sir guy and we're all like you gotta get that evh yeah. guitar we have to <laughs> even if you've got your own signature guitar you yeah. gotta get that guitar you know so yeah we're yeah. all we're all uh yeah <laughs> bow down at the Church of Eddie. So, yeah. Now
2: if you want to grab your thorn guitar from yeah. sewer and then we can kind of go through the rest of your gear setup. Okay, let's do that. Alright Pete, so we have tons of gear behind us. Why don't you walk us through how you're so quickly able to go from amp to amp to setting to setting so people can get a flavor of how that works for you.
0: For sure, so right now um, I'm basically running into my pedal board which we'll show in a bit and I'm coming out of there into this amp switcher that's up here. So it's called the Ampete and 88S that's how, up there.
1: How, how
0: appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another Pete. But yeah, he's a great dude and he made a brilliant device because you can literally switch between eight different amplifiers and eight different cabinets Jeez. or load boxes. So outputs. So it's a, it's a router for your studio and it's amazing. I've got a remote here on the desk that allows me to switch right from the desk to different amps and, and, and outputs. So, you know, I've got a bunch of different amps here. I've got a lot in the kind of the Marshall sort of uh, category, you okay. know, because I just love those sounds. But like, so for example, up there, there's an old 50-watt 72 uh, uh, JMP head. And then there's a, a bunch of the Synergy stuff oh, yeah. here on the next shelf, um, which is preamp and power amp based. And then I've got a Soldano, uh SLO-100 here. There's a Sir Made Jim Kelly Reverb down there, down on the floor, I'm not sure if you can see it, but yep. that's uh, the Sir SL68. It's kind of 60, 68 style plexi amp, basically. All right. Then I've got my signature Sir 100 watt head here, the PT100, which is, this is probably gets the most use in my videos, because it's got a brilliant clean channel, and it's just very versatile with the overdrive channels and stuff. So this is kind of home base, really. I mean, it has your name on it, Yeah, so. It's got my name <laughs> on it, yeah. So it, it sounds like I want it to sound and, and whatnot. Um, couple other heads that I've got here and because I've run out of uh I've got too many amps here basically for the room. So that's it's I've got the uh the comet here which is a, a brilliant amp, the top hat this is like an AC30. Yeah. Uh and then the Sir Hedgehog which is kind of dumbly All of these, if I want to get to one of these, I just pull the cable out of here, (laughs) out of this guy, and then I pull the speaker cable in the back, and I'll switch to these four heads. And then, uh, last but certainly not least, over here behind me, there's a PT-15, which is my 15-watt signature amp from Sur. So any of those, um, and sometimes I have a combo over there in the corner, too, I can switch with that 88RS instantly. So I can show you uh, what that sounds like. Yeah so i am running uh, the output right now on the on the amp- out to a, a old marshall uh, cabinet in the other room it's a late 70s with a blackback g12m 75 hertz speakers and it's mic'd up with a 57 and an at 4050 so that's what you're hearing and if i'm on what i call amp one here in the room it's that marshall <laughs> If I want to go to that Soldano, I simply just have to type in 3 here, and now you're hearing the Soldano. Right? Now if I want to go to the Kelly that's right below it, I just type in four. Go like this. So I can get all the way from you know one amp to the other in two seconds, right? SL68 is the next one. Go to that. And you're hearing that that's the Marshall Antenna with the Variax a little squishier and doing that whole thing. Mm. Uh, this guy is number six. Over there, so like this. And the reason that, you know, this amp, um, you can hear right away why I use it uh, for pedal videos a lot and stuff. I'll hit it with a distortion box. It's just a great fender kind of clean channel that works great with gain pedals and stuff. So I'm mainly doing pedal demos and stuff through the channel one of the PT one hundred. It's pretty much a straight up optimized somewhere between a twin and a super reverb sort of so circuit.
2: for this one, real quick, what tubes do you have in it? I'm not.
0: This this amp has EL thirty uh, fours. Okay, and so it's four EL thirty fours you 're always you know with an amp that 's trying to do a lot of different things yeah you kind of got to pick whether you go six oh six or e l thirty four is what kind of output transformer so it 's a plexi style output transformer and el thirty four So a very marshall uh based power amp but you know with the the, the fendery clean channel mm-hmm. if I go over to the other channels it's a then it 's you know high gain monster <laughs> you know that 's the channel two on there and it 's got a boost built in and everything so it's a it's a high gain uh, machine but with a brilliant clean channel Mm. so that's a you know a touring amp that we developed this amp uh, around 20 well i think it was like 2009 john originally came to me and said i was using three different amps on stage i was using like switching between all these amps he goes hey man why don't you let me try and make you one amp Mm -hmm. and with a couple different channels and see if i can make you happy yeah that's how this thing started um, this version is actually the 2014. It's an old an, an old model. We don't have this faceplate on it anymore or anything, but it's my studio amp that I have in here. So cool. cosmetics have changed a bit yeah. over the years. But yeah, so brilliant, brilliant amp for the studio. So um, while I'm on this sound, now why don't I show you like really quick, so you get the idea. I can switch between the different amps really quickly. Right now I'm running out into the Marshall cabinet in the other room, right? But if I want to, I could for instance, switch to right behind me here, I can show it in B-roll maybe, I've got a Sur Reactive Load IR, which okay. is a load box that takes the amp all the way to line level and then adds some speaker simulation. I can switch to that simply by going like this. Okay, so that's the uh, Sur Load Box. This is the live cab in the other room. If I want to, I can also go to this two-notes Captor X box right over here which has, a, I've got these DyniRs IRs that they make. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, a impulse response signature package. So that's what you're gonna hear now. This is my signature DyniRs. IRs. <laughs> so a bunch of different flavors of Greenback 412. Yeah. Two of them are virtual and one of them's the real thing with the cab in the other yeah. room. Yeah. So, yeah
2: it's crazy how much like i call that like the
0: tone speed dial you know during yeah.
2: my childhood yeah. with all the little things we had on our old dial, rotary phone but yeah, yeah that's like a tone speed dial you're just dialing it up and boom you're ready to
0: fly boom 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 from sound to sound it's like if i need a open back style cabinet i can do that in the virtual world really quickly with the Dyne ir's yeah. or if it's like oh i need a voxy sound for this then i can switch to that or you know uh, and, and the other thing about it is that it's silent of course when i'm using the load boxes there's no you know so that they're great yeah. for, for if you got a home studio yeah. and you're trying to record you know the reactive load or the two notes um, just they've been a godsend for people to do pro sounding work uh, at uh, you know you can do it through headphones you can do it with baby sleeping in the next yeah. room and, it, and you can have a raging hundred watt amp so but uh, and you know it's a testament I mean I think that technologies you can hear it's basically like different shades uh, that I've got going right now of good sound you know between the three <laughs> It's like they're, they're all usable and good tones, yeah. that I think. And so it's, the technology's come a long way where you don't have to have a mic cab, I don't think, anymore.
2: You know? Yeah, it, it reminds yeah. me of the RJ rundown we've done where you guys are you know, not only doing video demos, but you're also writing, recording, yeah. doing that kind of thing. And you want to find uh, you know, like a, a spark any way you can get it. Yeah. And that might be changing tones. And to do that while you have the creativity on the tip of your frontal lobe, is like, that's
0: really resourceful. 100%, and fast work. Like that's my other yeah. thing is I like to get things done quickly. So because it's like you know when you're your own video editor, you're, you're I'm the camera guy in here. I'm the guy <laughs> writing the songs. I'm engineering. You do it. So you need to come up with your flow yeah. in the studio to where you can get things done quickly. I was really inspired by Tim Pierce. Mm. Uh, who, you know, is a, very, he's a visionary, I feel like, in this business, amazing guitar player, but he also has this ability to see forward into the future and how can I, you know, he's, he wants to be employed and how can I maximize my potential so that I can get work done quick, you know, earn an income, earn, yeah. earn a living and all that stuff in a very efficient way where you don't burn out. And, you know, because if I had to get up and plug things, oh, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but when you can just switch things very quickly and with some pedals at your feet, and then get some some sounds really quickly you can work really quick and then you stay inspired get on to the you know stay in the music yeah. as opposed to like you know the, the configuration yeah <laughs> like the tech ruling you it's like the tech's good enough now where you know it's amazing that that if you if you design it just right it's like you can get some great results really quickly mm. you know so you know that's kind of the amps and then like on on that note i think also i can show you like really quickly here in logic which i record into uh i've got a template here that has a bunch of stuff up on the on the channel strip so i've got like delays and things that i can just dial in really quickly so you just heard a bunch of dry sounds you know by just pulling up some uh by just pulling up some some effects sends i can now uh sorry one sec here i'm gonna switch this to three So now I've got a oh. stereo ping pong delay going. Yeah. I got a little bit of reverb and I got a little bit of, I think, some little bit of even H3000 on this.
1: Okay.
0: So it's wet. I've got it rather wet so. yeah. right now. But to show you that, you know, and I just kind of have that stuff up on the strip in Logic all the time where I've got a few various plugins, a couple different delays, the H3000. Uh, a Black Hole Reverb from Eventide, which Mm. you heard me playing through with the Strat earlier when it was Mm -hmm. real ambient and super long reverb tail and stuff. So I can quickly just pull those sends up and stuff and then I've got like an inspiring ambient sound or an inspiring lead sound with a little bit of ping-pong delay or all that, just quick, quick, quick. Just like one checkbox and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I recommend doing that, like make templates in your DAW and come up with, you know, lay it out so that your mics are all configured and everything's laid out and then on the channels you've got some effects you can quickly send to and get inspired. You know like in t- in you know 10 minutes you can have a great guitar sound going with some cool stuff on it and then you know people a lot of people say like how do you write all these songs in your videos because every demo video i do i start with a original song And i'm like that's the fun part like the writing a song isn't hard because if if you set your stuff up so that it's easy to work i just sit down and you, you know get an inspiring tone and mm. then it's like play a couple notes and it's like well that's cool there's a little song right there yeah know? and if it's just a dry guitar sound in the same thing every day Uh, Maybe it's not as inspiring, you know, but if you got a few, I guess I like effects, you know, I like adding some effects
2: clearly as we walked into your uh office we'll call it uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of pedals everywhere
0: yeah well and that's just part of the job i guess too you know the uh the, the uh you it's know, the downside videos. of the
2: job having pedals everywhere no right? no, no, no no
0: no no it's good it's an, are you when i was 14 if you would have told me like this is what i'd be doing it'd be like it's not exactly what i had in mind but it's sure cool <laughs> you know it's not lost on I me mean, i have a good time with, yeah. with all this stuff you know it's fun so yeah well,
2: I know that yeah. you probably have a lot of moving parts in terms of like pedal boards, but this probably is maybe maybe your main one for the studio and what you do for YouTube and stuff. So I want to quickly go through these pedals here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the board that you see here uh, has been through a few changes, but it's really been kind of like this for about at least four or five years now. It's my touring board, and I also just moved it in here eventually and went like I don't know. Let's put it on the desk, and it'll just be there at my feet when I can you know have a few pedals to hit. So, yeah. Um, there's a couple different paths in this pedal board so there's the what I call the pre-path and the post-path. The post-path is what I would normally plug into the effect loop of an amplifier if I was playing live and it's all this stuff. It's the two H9s and the timeline delay. I don't actually really use that in here because if I'm doing delays I'll do it in the DAW. Like mm. most, you know, you add it on the channel, and you can get great delays in Logic or Pro Tools or whatever you use. So I'm not doing that there so much. Occasionally, I'll plug in if there's a specific sound I want out of one of those pedals. But more uh, often than not, I'm using everything else. That's what I'm using. So that that runs in front of the amp switcher. That's that's all right. hitting all the amps, right? So.
2: And not to like that you have to dem- demonstrate the differences, but why why have two H9s? What's the well,
0: Purpose. originally when I did the board, um, I think it's going all the way back to when I was playing with, with Don Hanley and I, I used up a uh, pitch uh, effect like so to do harmonies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a diatonic pitch effect, but I also needed a reverb at the same time. So I was like, there's going to be instances where I need two of these. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Gotcha. So, so that was it. And it's an overkill. I could probably get away with one, yeah. honest, you know, and just have a reverb pedal or something. But I just added the two H9s and that's been the way it's been. So... Um, so, guitar is running uh, into the side of the board, and the first couple things that it's hitting are actually the tuner, the polytune, the Unit 67 there from Dry Bell, which is a real cool pedal, the Freakout, and the Wah. And uh, I call the Unit 67 slot there, that's called a pedal du jour, like I can switch that out <laughs> if I want. It's such a great pedal, I don't generally switch it that much because that's an awesome pedal. It's a really unique compressor boost. EQ, just kind of like a way to—it's just a cool front end yeah. for the guitar sound. But it's—it's—you um, know—I can switch that out really easy and put a different pedal there. Um, the freakout is a pedal that I use to even with a clean sound, right? even with a clean sound i can get feedback that's so rad. when you've got a studio and you don't have a, a loud you know cab in the room with you, and you can't get feedback that's a way you can get a feedback effect that mm. uh, you know is very natural sounding so i'll use it to tail out things and get get feedback yeah so, love having that and then a the little dunlop mini was great too that's awesome and then so coming out of all that stuff then we're going into the music home lab switcher there so that is a where all the rest of the pedals are plugged in and I can switch in and out the different loops and stuff and it's buffered, I get a great, you know, clean signal going all the way to the amp switcher and out to the amps via the music column. So, um, I can really easily switch in some of the different, like this is a uh, uh, woodshed compressor. Uh, this is a fuzz. Uh, it's a Ryra uh, Big Muff clone. Uh, loop three, I have that Mobius in there and I've got that switched in for when I want to do any kind of like, uh, let's see what I got dialed up here, broken record sound. Yeah. I, I love was going to say some
2: AM radio. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's an inspiration box to me. I mean, I just, I just love it. So, or you know, swell, right? That's, that's neat. Tremolo. So it's my modulation box. That, that I can just switch in and get a flanger going, get a swell going, get a chorus going, or that broken sound, you know, the broken AM kind mm-hmm. of sound. So that's that's a lot of fun. Then I've got a Phase 90 on there. Tremolo. Uh, I've got a Kwon style boost, which is a Rocket Archer. I don't really use it in front of a sound like that so much. It'll be more to boost a dirty sound. And I use it more when I want a really, really big, like I want the notes to be huge. I don't play a lot of rhythm guitar through the Archer. It's more like when you want the single notes to be big. And then I've also got a uh, 808 style
1: pedal.
0: So right there, that was the difference between the first one being the Screamer Uh and the second one being the Archer. A little bit more of the skinny mids thing, or a little bit more of the great big full note thing with the Archer.
2: Was yeah. that actual uh, Ibanez pedal, or is it what, 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 or is it a clone? It's a Maxon called the Apex okay. 808.
0: Just yeah, sure. supposedly the guy that designed the original Screamer, he did you know years of research and found the ultimate chip to make the <laughs> ultimate 808. You know, I don't know, but that was the story, and it is a great sounding 808 style pedal. So it's a Maxon Apex okay. 808. That's what that was. And then I've got a... Uh, this is a Echoplex style. It's, it's actually in a, a, the MXR Echoplex pedal. So I've got that there if I need a little delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then last but not least, i got a Source Audio uh, Zeo, which I have set to the low-cut boost. It's a real cool versatile boost pedal that'll take a sound like this and tighten it up and make it just like a little more with it off it sounds a little more like a jose marshall or something when you turn it on because it's like it adds top end boost and, and cuts the, the the low end it makes it real aggressive and like early metallica or something yeah like yeah so so that's a fun pedal uh and that's the pedal board basically and once once again you know with this just stuff at my feet you know it's just really easy to uh many times just i'll be like oh i'll grab the phaser or i'll hit the the freak out
1: yeah, i
0: don't know what it's gonna do that would that's be, a fun pedal yeah if, if 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 i heard that i'd be like oh i don't like that particular preset so i'll try this one <laughs> you never know what it's going to do it's but it's it's, it's a really fun pedal. it's like taming a mustang you know yeah. trying to <laughs> yeah trying
2: to tame the bronco
0: yeah well when you're in a studio like this you want to sound wild sometimes and not always like you're in an isolated room right so yeah it's, it's helpful for for that yeah so that's that's kind of it you know i just have the pedals there at the feet to hit the, the different amps and stuff and i can add those effects or do the ones post in logic and uh, that's how i work in here
2: pete i can't thank you enough uh pete Thorne here everybody he came he, he answered the call when we asked to see if we could do a rig rundown he said please come on hang out and talk gear thank
0: you so much sir it's an honor man i mean honestly uh and we've you know had an association working together over the years yeah to call him and everything that i used to do for you guys yep. so it was when you guys called me up i was like 100 percent absolutely i gotta do that so yeah thank you thank you so much for having me i really yeah. appreciate it
2: everyone yeah. uh if you're not subscribed to our channel do that go over to pete's channel subscribe to that You get all the guitar goodness you can handle, promise you.
0: Thanks, everybody.